we, uh, we've been trying to navigate shorter service times and condensed service times and make sure there's room to get everybody in and out and just been feeling like we're in such a rush in church and it's not a good feeling for me. I don't know how it's been affecting you, but I just felt the need this morning to slow down a little bit. And uh, if you're here as our guest, we're super glad you're here, especially if it's your first time. Uh, we want to make sure there's room for people to come and to encounter the Lord, especially those who are far from God and in any reason making movement in his direction. Whether you're in a turmoil kind of season and you're looking for answers or you're struggling with something or you know, you're out of town and you have no other place you're allowed to be because your ride goes here, I don't know. <laughs> but we just want you to... We just want you to encounter God and hear good news that God has for you. And uh, we're also in a a really exciting season uh, as a church. Um, And so I want to take just a little bit of time this morning to uh, talk about some cool stuff that's happening here. But not just an update about Christ Church and about uh, our building plans and so on. But I I also want to um, meditate on a few verses that are specific to every single human being that is alive and mostly awake for the rest of the service. Because you may or may not know this, but uh, you are here not on accident. You are here on purpose. The eternal God of creation, the covenant-making God, fashioned this whole world with eyes on your arrival and the circumstances surrounding your birth. He is acquainted with every moment of your life, waking and sleeping. He has presided over every joy and every pain And he is using everything because he wants you for himself. And when you belong to him, you will receive not only the forgiveness and salvation that is a miracle, but your spirit, your whole self will come alive and you will receive a deposit of his Holy Spirit on the inside of you, which begins a radical transformation. And that transformation will positively impact every relationship, every circumstances, every season of your life from the time you say yes to Jesus until your physical death. But your life will not end then. In fact, this is just the beginning. And so I'm excited for you to hear good news of great joy for all people. Now, um, I decided to grab a hold of this part of the service where I typically preach a 45-minute sermon in 30 minutes using the Micro Machines guy voice. But today, I want to draw our attention to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. These are the verses that directly follow the prayer that I just read in Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 21, for the three of you who are wondering where that came from. And I'd love for us to just hang out here and let the Lord speak to us. And I also want to just give you a little bit of update about uh, where we are as, as a church. So if you've been a part of the Christchurch family, uh, back in January of 2021, we started what we call the One Life Initiative. And it was a spiritual journey for transformation. It, we were seeking to lead our whole church to engage their faith in new ways and to, um, to engage in sacrificial generosity to kind of put our money where our mouth is, where our heart is, and to make room for more people. And since January of 2021, uh, Christ Church has continued to grow, and more and more people have found a home here. More and more people have given their life to Jesus here. 
And so we've continued to make changes so that we can maintain that momentum and continue to make room for people. And so here we are with three services. But today is the first Sunday of September 2022, and this commemorates the completion of 18 of the 24 months of our pledges and commitments. And so uh, at this moment, I started just feeling like you feel when you're on a flight, and you've been on a flight for a while, and then that little ding happens, and the flight attendant says, ladies and gentlemen, the captain has illuminated the fasten seatbelt signs. If you will please return your tray table and seat back to its full and upright position as we prepare to land. You know this little spiel that they give you? And everybody starts shuffling their stuff away and turning their phone off and sending their last illegal text message, wondering where it goes. And, and so I was getting that little feeling about our One Life initiative, and it's causing me to kind of look at the, the more accurate projection of the numbers and, and what things are going to cost and how we're going to move forward. And so we've all been praying together and asking the Lord to not only provide but to direct us and so many things outside of our control. And so today is kind of a big day for us. And um, I'm excited to announce to everyone that this past week we were able to finalize and affirm the details of our contract to build our new adult sanctuary. And Tuesday morning of this week we will put ink on paper and the building process will begin, starting with architectural drawings. Isn't that exciting? So here's a, an image of the 15,000 square foot auditorium that we're planning to build in the rectangular field to our north, which is kind of like behind you over your left shoulder, depending on which direction you're facing and leaning. Um, and that's going to connect to this building. That will allow us to dedicate this entire space to the use of our children. So this will become the new worship room for the kids. We'll be able to add some additional classrooms on the inside of the space. And we'll be able to create a church campus that maximizes the footprint of this building for parking kids and adults and allows us to be at about 700 people per service. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about our goals in that because here we are at uh, three services. And August, we blew a bunch of records. We, we passed by a bunch of records for the first time ever in the month of August. Um, we had over 100 children every single week, so we were triple digits for kids the entire month. Now, we've, we've gone over 100 plenty of times, but this was every single week. And in fact, the second Sunday in August, we were only 20 kids away from Easter of this year. So not only that, but we also eclipsed the 700 mark on site in three services, which functions for us as a trigger point to actually start the planning for a fourth service, which makes me sick to my stomach. So that's a big deal. Uh, and then uh, lastly, our new combined online and on-site. We have, a, since COVID, everybody's had to track church attendance differently. And you guys know, you're he most, I mean, you're here. You're all here. Most of you are here completely. Some of you partially, but we're here. But some of us also end up watching online some weeks, right? You're traveling. Your kids are sick. You overslept. You underslept. I don't know. Um, and so we have this kind of like combined engagement. And so um, we had 866 average attendance in the month of August, which is the middle of summertime, which is typically when everybody doesn't go to church. But we're here. We're all here. Um, so these things have got us going. All right, well, uh, we're moving forward with our building project, which is great. It's going to make significantly more room for us, which is great. It's also going to take – it's not going to be done tomorrow. You guys realize how this works. And so we have to go, how will we get there to be able to cover all the expense of it? How the, how's that going to work? And so we're actually going to talk about all those financial numbers next Sunday. 
So if you're nerdy and you like numbers and spreadsheets, we were like oddly up front with all the numbers. So you'll get to see everything up here. How many, where are my numbers people? Raise your hand if you're like a numbers person. I had a feeling they were all in first service. I was like, if you're in first service, if you're a numbers person, they were all like, here, I'm here. We're like, yeah, see that you're here bright and early, chipper and Adam. Uh, but uh, I'll make this digestible for you, but I want to give everybody a, a view of um, the numbers because everyone's been contributing. Um, the good news is typically on the second Sunday of every month, I'll kind of announce the giving, the One Life pledges, and we've been aiming for uh, over 100% of pledge. You'll remember when we started this, the consultant said, if at the end of the uh, pledge period, you have reached 90% of what people said they would give, that is successful because no one can ever do everything they plan and people will drop off. And so if you can stay near 90, like that's awesome. And the Lord just put it in our hearts to go, let's do 100 or better. And so right now we're averaging 125% of our pledges. And so we actually only had one month in 18 that was under 100 and it was 99 and that was just the Lord working on my heart, by the way. Because if I had known that, I'd have been like throwing the cash in there to push it over the edge, you know. And um, so he was going, uh-uh, that's not how this works. So, uh, But uh, August was no different. We had 117% of our pledged amount came in the month of August, which is fantastic. And that pushes our uh, total cumulative giving just for one life, not for the general fund, but just for one life in 18 months to $821,671, which is 95% of the total pledged amount today. And so we, we forecast another $84,000 plus, which will put us over $900,000 when the uh, pledge comes to uh, its conclusion. So we're going to talk more about the dollars and cents uh, next Sunday. But today I want to ask you to consider what it looks like for you to participate in the mission of Jesus. And I want to ask you to consider how it is that you view yourself. And so to do that, I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And um, look at verses 1 to 7. And I, I'm not going to go over, and so this won't be a whole sermon at this point, but God wants to speak to you, and we want to turn our attention to his word. Amen? So Ephesians chapter 4, the, uh, the book of Ephesians is like a, a letter written to multiple churches that describes the reality of who our God is. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, uh, just incredible bomb drops of truth of the nature and character of God and what's true about us in him and all the blessings of God toward us and the miracle he's done to create this new entity, the church, and how he's combining people from different backgrounds and places of life and making us one in Jesus, and he's doing this miracle relationally. And chapter 3 is basically like a setup to that prayer that I read earlier, all about how passionately the Apostle Paul and every one of us wants everyone else to encounter God in a meaningful and life-altering way and to have his love just poured over us in a way that's so powerful that we need strength. And then in verse 1 of chapter 4, he kind of transitions to the practical application of these truths. And in chapter 4 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, I, therefore, so because of all the things we've just considered, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Think about that for a second. I wonder when we hear the word called, if our kind of religious version of that word doesn't fill in the blank, and maybe the meaning passes over many of us. Because in our vernacular, in church world, when I say um, someone is called, what is it that I usually mean? That they're called to vocational ministry. That they're meant to be a pastor or a leader or some type of minister. And so we associate the idea of calling 
with a calling to vocational ministry many times. Not everybody, but many times. But that is not what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He is speaking to every believer in Jesus and reminding them from prison, albeit, that we have been called to something. And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you have responded to the good news of Jesus and put your faith in God toward him and surrendered your life to him, you have been called. Maybe your story reflects that. Maybe you were off doing your own thing, heading towards a a life of destruction and things were going bad for you and God did something big and you heard God speak to your spirit and you turned in his direction and you would say, I know what it means to be called. But I wonder how many people were going through life and felt empty or unsatisfied or confused or angry and started seeking truth and trying to find the answer to your questions and trying to understand the life as you're living it and, and, and postulating about the nature and character of God and YouTubing philosophical debates. And, and, and you came to this conclusion that God is who he says he is in the scripture and Jesus is who he says he is and he will give life to anyone who calls on his name. And you said, I want to receive that. And you prayed that prayer. And maybe your experience is that you went seeking God that you found him. But the reality is, he wasn't the one that was lost, was he? The reality is, is that the creator of all things, timeless, eternal, immortal, independent, purposed to bring about you through every circumstance of history, the good and the bad, because he wants to dwell with you forever. He wants to be your God and for you to be his person, and he wants to bring you back to life. Brothers and sisters, we are, we are physically alive, but spiritually we are completely dead. And God does a miracle to bring new life through the proclamation of this gospel about Jesus. And when you hear that and you happen to believe it, that is a miracle. And that is your calling. You have been called known by name and called to follow God. And so Paul has been following that calling, and it's got him in jail. How does that sound? He said, I'm going to go exactly where I'm told. I'm going to do exactly what I'm made for, and it's going to bring him to prison. But you know what? He was a willing prisoner for the Lord because he was doing what God called him to do, and he would go wherever that took him. But I wonder how many of us have lost that sense of urgency to walk in a way worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Too many of us relegate God to Sunday morning or to a part of us we call our faith, and he's real for us, and we believe that he's true, and he's a part of our life, but we are pursuing our own sense of calling, identity, purpose, value, mission in life. And I'm here to remind you that God made you a part of something and he made a part for you that only you can fulfill. And that's where this is going. And in fact, it doesn't begin with that. It gets to that in verse 7. But as we consider how to walk in a manner worthy of this calling to which we've been called, we are told we need a few things in verse 2. Humility, gentleness, and patience bearing with one another in love and eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And he says that because we are trying to do something together. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it's hard to work with us. Any of you get those report cards when you were in 
elementary school, does not play well with others, right? See, all of us are seeking to align our lives to this calling we've received, which means we're lining ourselves up with each other, which means we're doing something together. We're coming from different backgrounds. We have different proclivities and personalities. We have different giftings. And God's building something really beautiful where he takes uniquely gifted and called people and he makes us interdependent and synergistic to where we're able to do things together that none of us could ever accomplish apart. Do you know that? That's what he's doing. But in order for that to happen, we need, guess what? Humility. A disposition that says, no, you are more important. Someday I want to hear my kids fighting about, no, you take the front seat. No, I had the front seat last time. You take the front seat. You understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> it's humility. Some of you got here today, it's kind of full in here. You walked in, someone was in your spot. You were like, arr, arr. <laughs> your, your inner Doberman came out. You're like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Don't you know that I sit there? No, they're new. They don't know. Humility. Humility. Gentleness, this is when you have to actually engage, when you actually have to engage on an issue, and you have all the strength and power, and gentleness, meekness is you not using it. Do you know that? Like, meekness, gentleness is most clearly seen when a very strong man gently holds a tiny baby with great care, and that's gentleness. Great strength subdued to do tender things. Do you see that? And this is what's required if we're to engage with one another and keep this whole thing going. This is, means we got to be patient with each other because look at us. We're all trying. We're doing our best, but it's not perfect. And bearing with one another in love. That's what we have to do. I love you enough to put up with you. And then verse 3 has this really interesting phrase. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You have been brought into this new bond. You have these new bonds that hold us together as a people, and they are from the Spirit of God, and they bring with them peace. And immediately, we all experience that peace, and we go, oh, this is amazing. There's something different coming on. People tell me all the time, they, they come to Christ Church, and one of the things I hear all the time is, man, everybody is so kind and friendly and, and accepting and warm. That's that bond of peace, and that's a miracle of the Holy Spirit. And if you, can, if you can feel that, that's what God is doing. But that requires maintenance. Do you know that? I tell people this sometimes, and some people get it and some people don't, but the church of Jesus is a Ford, not a Honda. Okay? Some of you guys, some of you guys bought a 1992 Honda Accord fresh off the lot. You drove it for 367,000 miles, and never once did you change the oil in that car. <laughs> and it just keeps on going and going and going and going and going and going and going, right? I'll tell you what, though. You can go get yourself a brand-new Ford F-150 today. I'll give you to 28,000 miles, and that thing's... Why? Because a Ford requires maintenance. Do you know it? But I'm a Ford guy. I tell you, I got, I'm on my like fifth Ford truck, and I, I love my Ford trucks. And if you take care of them, they will run forever. But they're not a Honda. And the church of Jesus is the same way. There's a miracle there. There's a power. There's a movement forward. You can hop in that thing and move. But if you don't maintain it through a commitment to humility and gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love, then the thing will break down, do you understand? And so here's the Apostle Paul, and this is the Lord speaking to us, and he's saying, I'm so committed, I'm in jail for this. What are you doing? I want you to walk according to the calling you've received, which is unique to you, but a part of the whole. I want you to have this disposition towards other people, and I want you to work to keep this thing together. Why? Because there is one body, one body, the church, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, 
who is over all and through all and in all. So when you leave a church mad and you go to another church, guess what? Same church. It's all together, aren't we? Because wherever there's faith in the one Jesus, he's all God's people. So this is what we're called to. But then verse 7 adds a but. It says, but, 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 check this out. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so there's a oneness about us despite our diversity. We got to work to keep that together. We're given the instructions on how to maintain that. But every single one of us has received a unique gifting and calling as a part of the whole to make the whole thing work. This means every single member of the church of Jesus is essential and irreplaceable. Do you realize that? This has been a foundational principle for us since we started Christ Church in 2015. We have believed this and taken this completely 100% for truth and that Jesus is the one who dispenses the gifts one to another. And so we don't see calling as a person who can stand on this platform or work in that office. We see calling as a person who has said yes to Jesus. And our first question is, what is the gift he gave you? And how can we get you using that for the movement and momentum of the whole? That's always the question we ask. And so our strategy has been to mobilize every member. It's the reason we describe church with these three words, empowered missional community. There is a new strength, a new power on the inside of you. It's a miracle from God. He's the one that gave it to you. Nobody can take it from you. And if you use it, you will see miracles happen right in front of you because you are a part of the work of God on the earth. But too many of us, God's our Sunday morning gig. He's our checkbox on religious affiliation on the form, but little more because we're not engaging with the calling to which we have been called and we've got to walk in it. Do you understand? We need everybody, all hands on deck. And it's, it's, it's grace. It's a gift. Grace was given to each one of us and according to the measure of Christ's gift. We are not all gifted the same. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we're not all gifted the same? Man, we would be in big trouble if we were all gifted the same. But we've all been gifted differently. And Jesus is the one himself who dispenses those gifts to each, each person as he sees fit. Which means we ought to really value and depend upon one another. And there should be zero elitism in the church of Jesus. You know that. There should be absolutely none. There should be absolutely none. And if we begin to see each other the way Jesus sees us, as indispensable, of built on purpose... In, in all of your natural ways and then in all the supernatural ways and to see the gift of God on the inside of you. Man, can you imagine walking in? You know, it's like your birthday every day. They're here! Yay! They're here! Why? Because we can't do this without you. That's how we feel every time someone decides to call Christ Church home. And this is what we're, is what we're seeking to get done. <clears throat> so, that is what God's done for you. And I don't, I don't know if you've found your gift yet. Maybe you haven't. We always tell people, if you haven't found your gift... Um, start by holding babies because that's where we need the most help and you'll quickly discover if that's what you were made for or not and then it's kind of funny that we all laugh like that but we were just talking the other day wouldn't it be cool if there was like a, a retail store you could go to and like pay like seven dollars and then go like play with kittens for like a half an hour but then not have to have a cat box that you cleaned out how many of you guys would be down for that puppies puppies is that better Are you guys dog people in this service can you imagine going to the puppy store 
You just get to pick a cage, and there's just a little puppy in there. Never turns into a dog. You just get a new puppy. Just puppy, puppy, perpetual puppy. Wouldn't you do that? That's essentially what I'm asking you to do back there with the babies. Just, eh, you don't have to take them home. You don't have to pay for their college. You don't have to make them make their bed. Nothing. You just get to hold this adorable baby and then give it back. How good of a deal is that? But start, you start somewhere, and as you're contributing to the whole, you will quickly discover what, how God wired you and what makes you thrive and, and excited on the inside uh, to use your, your gift. And so this is what we're trying to get done. We're trying to help people to do these three things. I'm going to wrap up right here. How much time do I have? Oh, not very much. Uh, I want to leave you with these three words and ask you a question, so this shouldn't take long. Here's our strategy. This is our strategy as a church. You're going to get all the details on how we're going to pay for this, what it's going to look like, and what the timeline is going to be next Sunday. But there's these three words, momentum, mobilization, multiplication. Everything we've been doing has been to maintain momentum. We started with 79 humans, and 20-something of them were children in 2015. And we had one service, and there was tons of room in this, in this room in one service. And we've continued to grow year over year over year over year. And we keep making room to maintain that momentum. And we keep fueling the things that cause that momentum to happen. So that's always been a part of our strategy and our methodology. Now, you have to shift. You have to, you have to be able to pivot. You have to be able to move and be nimble in order to maintain that momentum. Because, like, right now, if we were just at two services, guess where you'd be sitting? In your car. No, in another church because you'd be, like, not doing it. Do you see? And so we're going to make sure that we continue to maintain momentum. But our goal is not just to get bigger and bigger and bigger. In fact, we specifically don't want to be a megachurch. And if you've been around for a while, you've heard me say this before, we are not trying to be a ginormous church. We want to be just big enough to be a mobilizing and multiplying church. That is our plan. And part of the plan is to be a steward of what God's entrusted to our care, and that happens to be these 7.65 acres and this 8,000-square-foot building and that giant field over there that can hold a 15,000-square-foot auditorium. And that auditorium will allow us, with this space, to fit 700 humans in one service. Isn't that great? And that would allow us to get to about 1,200 people in two services, and that's just about big enough. Do you understand? And our goal is not to just add three services and four services and five services, get to thousands of people on the weekend. Our goal is to mobilize people and multiply churches, which means our strategy for you is to stay here until you love it, and then we're going to make you leave. <laughs> Seriously, because your gift won't always find a home in a place that's this big. Do you know that? But when you go with a team of people and you're funded properly, and you have the leaders, and they're trained, and you have the support of ascending church, you can actually use your gift in an indispensable way in that environment. Do you see how this is supposed to work? Now, here's the thing. We get this wrong so frequently, brothers and sisters. If you've been in church any length of time, you've probably seen this happen. Church grows. Everybody's happy. There's this beautiful season, and then this little, little division happens between these two leaders or these groups of people around these two people and the differences they have, and it turns into an ego trip and a fight and gossip ensues, and before you know it, somebody leaves or gets fired, and a big chunk of people disappear with them, and before you know it, another little church has popped up, notthatchurch.com. <laughs> you guys know how this works? God's been harnessing our problems to get his mission done from the very beginning. Do you realize this? He said, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And they were like, yeah! And then nobody left Jerusalem. <laughs> so what did he do? He turned off the spout. No food for you. Persecution for you. Ah, everybody runs. Gotcha. Everybody went preaching the gospel. Everybody went. Church is popping up everywhere. Listen, God's not afraid of making this uncomfortable and ugly. 
The question is, do we want it to be like that? And the answer is no, we don't. Part of the reason why these church splits happen is because sometimes you have two people who are gifted to do the same thing in the same building and they can't do what God's called them to do. So one of you should leave and leave happy, not angry, and hey, take money. Do you see how this is supposed to work? So we haven't done this yet, so it's theoretical, but this is our plan. Build momentum, mobilize every member, and then multiply. Listen, and this matters for us in this moment because we are going into a decade, and over the next 10 years you will see this, where denominational churches that once were thriving with 100, 150 people or more will dwindle down to a remnant who will not have a leader. They will not have the support. Their facilities will begin to crumble because of deferred maintenance. There will be a dark spirit and a heaviness about it, but there will be a genuine group of people who love the Lord and want to see God do a work in their community. And a light that has been turned down and maybe is even threatened to be turned off, could experience the generous infusion of a hundred people and a full-time pastor and a worship leader and an administrator and a $150,000 church grant from a generous church that says, we don't want to be this big, you guys go. Do you see this? I have not seen this happen yet. We are not trying to plant churches in strategic cities to have influence and grow. No, we're trying to be a blessing to Volusia County and there are church buildings and remnants of people all over this county who desperately need what God is doing here and what we can freely give to them. Now that is unusual and it's unselfish and it's non-characteristic and it's atypical. But it feels a whole heck of a lot like what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. And I wonder if you'll be a part of it. I'm not, I'm not asking you to leave today, but here's the thing. Uh, we... We're building a new building, but before that building is able to be occupied, based on just the most conservative projections of our growth, um, we will be at five services at this location and 1,250 people on a weekend when we move in, which means we're overfilled at two by the time we get to it. Do you understand how this works? And so we're already asking God, all right, Lord, we don't need to have this new building done in order to be generous and launch. We don't know if we're, how we're going to have the resources to make that whole thing happen by the time we actually get there. And so we're praying. But if you want to do something, you will provide. And so we're just asking the Lord, do you, is there another church? Do you want to open a campus? If there's not a preacher, do you want us to do the whole pipe in the sermon thing? I don't know. Whatever he wants to do. But we are going to multiply. We are going to maintain momentum. We are going to mobilize every member. And we are going to work towards multiplication. And we want you to be a part of it. And in fact, we don't think we can do it without you. And so I'm asking you to ask yourself, what is the measure of Christ's gift to me? Next week, we'll talk about the dollars and cents. And if God wants to move you to contribute or to be a part of the money we're trying to raise, that would be awesome. Today, I want you to say, where do I fit into this piece of the puzzle? Amen? And I want to pray for you, especially if you're here and you're going, whoa, this is way, we're in a strategy meeting and I'm in kindergarten over here. But listen, God wants you too. He wants you. You don't have to know a thing, but if you know, you're known and loved. And God wants to bring you right in. Amen? God, I pray for every single one of us, Lord. God, I thank you that you came after us, that you called our name, that you have gifted to us by your grace, salvation, forgiveness, adoption. You have so many good things in store. And, Lord, we're here on this earth because you have a plan to redeem humanity and to overtake this globe and create a beautiful place where you will dwell with your people, a place where there is no sin or sickness or death. 
and we are working towards that day. And in the meantime, God, I just pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts about where we fit in this mission. God, we love you and thank you for what you are doing, and we are confident that you will speak to us. We are yours. We love you, and we receive this word from your mouth in our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen.